You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. Morning, guys. Hey, if uh, you're new with us this morning, if I haven't gotten the opportunity to meet you, my name's Joe, one of the leaders here. If you grab your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25 is where we're going to be today. Sorry. Before I begin preaching, I'd like us all to bow in prayer and ask a blessing over God's word that our eyes might be open, that our ears might be open, that our hearts might be ready to receive what the Lord would say to us today. So let's pray. Father, as we come before you this morning with your word open in front of us. Lord, my mind and my heart goes back to what James says. Let us be doers of the word and not mere hearers only. And so, Lord, we've been studying this this book, this gospel, written by Luke, who... I know wants to give us certainty about who you are and what your desires are for us. I know that you want to give us certainty in the midst of a life that is very uncertain at times. I know, God, that life is full of storms. Life is full of failures and heartaches and difficulty and suffering and sin and war. And into this, into this world is where your son stepped so that he might do battle in a way that maybe seems different to us. Lord, help us just to hear from you. Help us to, help us to maybe capture a picture of the work of Jesus this morning. Lord, we just, we need you. We need you in our midst. We need you to open our hearts that we might see past the clutter and that we might hear deeply from you. Help us to drink deeply from the well of your presence. (coughs) Help us to be willing to be taken to the places where we may not normally want to go as your spirit and as your word takes us there. Help us to get into the boat with you, Lord God, and be willing to to sail into the storms of obedience. Help us to love you with our lives. Lord, help me as I preach this word this morning. It is a unique position to be placed behind a pulpit knowing that I am completely and utterly helpless without you as are my brothers and sisters that are gathered here privilege and the honor that it is to preach your word to the hearts of men and women in this room, but I can't open their hearts or their eyes or their ears, and so I pray that your spirit would be present to do so. I pray, God, that you would help me to be faithful to your word. I pray, God, that you would help me to paint a picture of Jesus who is our master, our commander, our Savior, our King, our Messiah. 
the one who ransoms us back from hell and pays the price so that we no longer have to live in the ways that we live in fear of you, in fear of others, in fear of ourselves, but that we can live with our lives hidden in Christ and in Christ alone, standing upon the rock of our salvation. Lord, help us this morning through the power of your spirit Catch a picture of the magnificence and the awe and the glory of who you are. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. One day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger, and they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? <clears throat> I remember what it's like to be on an enormous sailing ship in the middle of a storm. I had the opportunity recently to be aboard this gigantic sailing yacht in the harbor of Coronado Island in California, right where Coronado sits, right off the coast of San Diego, California. There is a harbor there. There's a naval base there, and the Navy SEALs are constantly coming in and out. And as we were there in this harbor and and in this season, I was able to get out on this like 185-foot-long sailing boat. And there was a storm that day on the ocean and in that area, and it was pouring down rain, and the winds were blowing hard, and there were a number of us on this boat, and there was, to some extent, some fear involved as we were blown back and forth by the wind, and as we had to reset the sails a number of times so that we would continue sailing, not into the land or into other boats. And so the boat was dipping and diving up and down over the waves, And the the sheets of rain blowing in the wind against us at times was frightening. And I also remember these moments of really peaceful silence and stillness that would come over us as the wind and the rains would cease for a moment. And what typically happens on a sailboat is when that happens is previously to that, the the sails on your boat are totally full of wind and you're, you're moving with gusto right across the water. And then when the wind and the storm comes to a stop, your sails go flat. And it's almost like that moment when you're driving a car down the highway and your cruise control stops. At one moment you're being propelled across a certain space and in the next moment you can feel yourself just slowing down. Real quickly. I remember those kind of for us on that ship as that would happen at times. I remember the real deep kind of reassuring breaths that we would take and we would say, 
We made it. We made it through that part of the storm. We didn't capsize. Um, the captain, the commander of the ship didn't, didn't sink us to the bottom of the ocean. In those moments, we would steady ourselves oftentimes for another onslaught of weather that was more than certain to come. And you know what these seasons are like, right, in your life. The phone call announcing that the cancer has returned, sudden death of a loved one, being laid off from that job where everything seemed so promising, those long agonizing nights of reasoning with your rebellious teenager wishing that they would hear the truth and walk in the direction that you've asked them to. Those long seasons of resisting every urge and impulse to engage in sinful activity, only to fail yet again. The long seasons of shame and anguish that result from giving in to those sinful urges. The relationships that go south because you spoke the truth and love to someone and they refuse to listen to you. The relationship that goes south because you refused to listen to those who spoke the truth and love to you. Charles Spurgeon said that every sail of the good ship which bears the flag of the high admiral of our fleet must be beaten with the wind. And every plank in her must be tried by the waves. See, when Jesus calls us to sail into the storms of obedience, we should expect to be beaten and tried as the Spirit works to produce holiness in us. When I think of following Jesus, like my mind does not automatically go to that place where I'm like, yeah, this is gonna be rough. That's what I want. I want a, a tough walk, you know? I don't think of that immediately like, yeah, bring the hardship on, baby. Let's dive into this. This is going to be a blast. Like people at war with each other and sin and depravity and sickness. And it's not immediately what I think of when I think of following Jesus. And if I'm to be honest, it's not immediately what the American pop culture sells to us every day either. Because what we get sold is this idea of easy beliefism. I can believe and I can pretend and I can quote Bible passages and I can carry a big Bible and I can carry my journal and I can talk a great game and then live my life in any way that I want. That's the package that gets sold to us so often in America today and by the church today. We're guilty of this because we're unwilling to face the deep darks and depths of the storms that rage deep within our souls. I don't immediately go to a place where I'm like chomping at the bit to jump on a sailboat with a bunch of crusty dudes who got a ton of sinful uh, issues and personality conflicts and Messiah complexes. That's not immediately what I begin thinking of when I think about following Jesus Oftentimes when I think of what it means to follow Jesus, what I really want deep down inside, what my deepest heart desires are sometimes, are just to have these peaceful 
and joyful interactions with brothers and sisters in Christ around the grill in my backyard, right? And I'm learning that while following Jesus does mean, don't hear me wrong, it does mean peaceful and joyful seasons in relationship. It also means seasons of sailing the high seas through treacherous and dangerous storms as we seek to obediently follow our Savior and our Commander on mission. You might say, what is that mission? Some people immediately think the mission is to seek and to save that which was lost. Yes, true. The mission that I'm speaking of this morning is the one where he navigates the stormy waters and waves of gospel transformation deep within our lives first and then through our lives and through the lives of others second. We've all experienced frightening and stormy seasons and wondered these things like, Jesus, are you still here with me? Like, did you leave me in the midst of this storm? Will this ever stop? <coughs> what is the purpose for this stormy waters that are seeking to swallow me whole? We've all thought these things at times. And maybe you've worded it differently. But the desires and the feelings deep down inside are still the same. Jesus, are you still here with me? And I wonder what's coming next. Like sometimes life can be so stormy that you can be left looking over your shoulder all the time wondering what's going to happen next. And this is precisely where Luke takes us today, right? He takes us into this story, into this text as he describes this scene of Jesus calling his boys out to follow him, really to get into the boat with him and to sail through treacherous waters, through a treacherous storm where, where they would have the opportunity to behold the majesty of nature's complete obedience to Jesus. It's the most amazing piece in this story. So the wind and the waves don't talk back to Jesus, you know? When Jesus steps up and says, stop now, the wind and the waves obey immediately. It should be a lesson for you and I about obedience. But through this story, we learn that Jesus calls us, just like his first disciples, calls us to sail into the storm's of obedience where we will be beaten and tried as the Spirit works to produce holiness in us. So Michael Wilcock, uh, commenting on this passage, says this. He says, we cannot avoid the fact that Jesus was all together in control of the whole chain of events in this passage. Like sometimes, here's the deal, sometimes the storms of this life can cause us to live in fearful passivity or deceived mistrust, where we never get into the boat and follow Jesus. In other words, sometimes we are so afraid because we've been beaten up by life, either because of someone else's sin or because of our own sin, 
that we struggle to step out in faith, trusting Jesus as the, the commander and the captain of the ship of our lives. The result of this is that we struggle to taste the adventure of sailing the high seas of gospel transformation. <clears throat> we fail as parents, right? We fail as parents sometimes, and, and sometimes the people around us fail as parents, or our parents fail to be parents the way we wish they were, the way that God's word calls them to, and so we respond by sitting on the sidelines while our families fall apart. We fail at being married. Our relatives fail at marriage. So we push marriage aside, live lives of non-committal usury where we just use people for our own selfish, inward, idolatrous gain. Our friends fail us, right, sometimes. And so then we, we isolate ourselves to our hobbies. Or we choose non-challenging relationships instead of engaging in the difficulty of pursuing gospel-formed relationships. And ultimately what happens in every scenario that I could lay out for us this morning is that we believe that somehow we have failed God or we believe he has failed us. So we retreat to what's comfortable instead of getting into the boat of trust, salvation, transformation, Adventure, danger, and life. And God calls us to get in the boat and sail with him while trusting in his sovereign control of everything. The problem for many of us is that we haven't stopped for a minute to give Jesus control of a single thing because we must be in control of our lives because someone hurt us at some point in time and we could never give control to someone else again lest we be hurt again. How will we know? Like, how will we know if we are actually accepting Jesus' call to sail with him? Look at verses 22 and 23 again. One day he got into a boat with his disciples. And he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. And so they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. Listen, accepting Jesus' call to sail means kind of these four things from the text. One, when we're accepting Jesus' call to sail, it means that we know the day that Jesus called us. This is one day Jesus got into the boat with them. Do you know when that day was that Jesus called you and is he still calling you? <coughs> Number two, sailing with others who've been called is a way that we know that we've accepted Jesus' call to sail. But if, if you're out there sailing by yourself, this is not what Jesus calls us to. The text specifically tells us that he got into the boat with his disciples. They were together in community, being shaped and formed by the gospel. Sailing with others who've been called as well. And I don't just mean sailing with those who won't ever reposition the sails for you. I mean sailing with those who will sometimes reposition the sails for you because that needs to happen. The interesting thing while I was on that sailboat was I really didn't have a clue what I was doing. 
Yeah, I could have pretended like it. I mean, I looked the part because I was on the sailboat, right? I looked the part because maybe I was dressed the same way, but I wasn't sailing like these other guys have been sailing. They've been sailing for a long time. And so there were times when the wind would shift and the sails needed to be reset. And can you imagine if I would have started arguing with them in that moment about resetting the sails? Like they would have looked at me and been like, dude, you're dumb. Accepting Jesus' call to sail means sailing with others who've been called. Accepting Jesus' call to sail means deciding to go somewhere new. How about that? Deciding to go somewhere new. Instead of always being in the place that we once were. See, when, when Paul writes to many of the churches that he planted in other portions of Scripture, as he writes, oftentimes he says, man, don't go back to who you were. This is who you once were. You are this now in Christ Jesus. And when he's saying, is he's saying, you've been taken from one destination to another by the power of the Spirit and the work of the cross and the message of the gospel. You've not just been saved, but you're being changed. You're being sanctified, cleansed before our Father in heaven. When Jesus got into the boat, you'll notice that he says, let's go across to the other side. I don't get this picture of Jesus like he's a passive dude. I don't get this picture of Jesus that he's like some guy who doesn't want to go somewhere. I think Jesus is a man of action. And you know, I don't think Jesus is super concerned with sitting around and trying to straighten out arguments between his disciples. He's just like, you, don't talk that way anymore. And you, quit arguing about which side of me you're going to sit on when we get up there. Because if that's what you want, like if you really want to sit on this side of me, man, you got to go through hell to get there. So have fun with that. Like I just, Jesus is bold and straightforward as he speaks. And we'll see some of that in this text. But Jesus wants to take you somewhere. If you're still stuck in the same old patterns of life that you've been struggling with for years. Man, I love the stories in our church. I love the stories. I love Tyler. When Tyler comes to me at the beginning of the year, flat out comes to me and says, man, I'm struggling with this. I've been struggling with it. And I'm asking God to help me stop. Joe, help me understand what that might look like. And then Tyler begins to ask others what that might look like as well. And now he's got this testimony of a month and a half clean. Tyler's not the only one. There's many others. To be honest, there's some that have been here that are here too that don't want that. My hope is that God would break your heart in these moments. And you would decide that you want to go somewhere new rather than following the same patterns that you've always followed. Because that's what it means to sail with Jesus. Accepting Jesus' call to, to sail also means resting in Christ in the midst of the journey. I mean, get this picture of Jesus on the boat, right? He's, he's asleep. He's asleep in the middle of a storm. And where are his disciples? They're freaking out because of the storm. Like to some extent, we could say maybe the disciples should have taken a little bit of a lesson and taken a nap with him, right? I don't think they had a clue yet completely as to who Jesus is. So when we, when we, when we accept Jesus' call to sail the high seas of life, it is important for us to recognize the day that Jesus called us or the, or the day that we began to follow him on this grand adventure, 
Because every journey must have a point of beginning. As we identify and hold on to the day that Jesus called us, it is equally important for us to identify others who have been called to this journey too. Because we were not meant to sail alone. We were meant to sail in community. But sailing with Jesus isn't just about getting into the boat with other people. It's about getting into the boat that's actually headed somewhere. We don't follow Jesus into this adventure of sailing to merely stay in the same place. Following Jesus in the adventure of sailing through the ocean of life is all about movement from our current place of maturity to new places of maturity. Listen, so we accept this call to sail with Jesus. Let's, let's not become <coughs> unbalanced in our own efforts while attempting to follow him. Let's remember that following Jesus is simultaneously about striving to follow, putting energy into following, working to follow. Not working to earn, working to follow. Happy to talk with you about the differences of that afterwards if you have a question. <coughs> Let's remember that the following Jesus is simultaneously about striving to follow while resting in God's sovereign strength and power. God the Spirit, whose name, Spirit, actually means wind in the Greek. God the Spirit is like the wind in our sails, and it's really our responsibility to become positioned in a way that the wind can actually get into our sails. The sails on a sailboat don't become positioned on their own. It must be positioned to catch the wind. Jesus calls us to sail into the storms of obedience or we will be beaten and tried as the Spirit works to produce holiness in us. J.C. Ryle, commenting on this passage, says that by affliction he teaches us many precious lessons, which without it we would never learn. By affliction he shows us our emptiness and our weaknesses. He draws us to the throne of grace, purifies our affections, weans us from the world and makes us long for heaven. When Jesus calls us into the storms, he is, he is really calling us into the school of hard knocks where we get beaten by the wind and tried by the waves of the storms. And only through suffering and difficulty of life's storms do we come face to face with our inability to do anything to change ourselves without the power of the gospel at work in community. It is in the crucible of the storms of life that we learn just how deep the depravity of our sinfulness is. Think about it. Think about this. Sometimes. Sometimes just because of our fear of the consequences of our sin being made known, we run headlong 
into the sinful behavior we desperately want to be freed from because we think we can hide there. But if we accept Jesus' call to enter this, that storm, this storm, we learn that Jesus draws us to his throne of deep grace as he begins to set our affections and desire straight until we no longer love our sin. But instead, because we now desire heaven, our sinfulness causes us to mourn and beg God to free us completely from the shackles of death on this sailboat that I was on. There were sails and there was also a motor. Not every sailboat also has a motor. A friend of mine that was on there that we spent time together throughout this week that I was there, he made a comment to me and he said this. He said, there are days when the Spirit is not breathing wind into my sails because I have not had the sails positioned correctly. Either A, I stiff-armed my friends about positioning those sails, B, I stiff-armed what the word is actually said to me, or I've deceived myself, or I've let myself be deceived by my hardened heart. And so instead of allowing the wind of the Spirit to breathe life into the sails of my life as a ship, <clears throat> I have instead, again, <clears throat> begun to use the motor and the engine in the bottom of the ship. And I am now powering the ship on my own. And I'm beginning to look no different than I looked before. His analogy to me was good. His point was, is are we willing to sail into the storms of obedience where our lives will be beaten and tried? Listen, if you really want to accept Jesus' call to sail, if you really want to accept Jesus' call to sail, and you want to ramp it up a notch and sail into stormy and frightening waters, then hear the Spirit's call to follow Him into war with your sin. Paul says in Romans that we better be making war with our sin or our sin will be killing us. I firmly believe that nothing will make you cling to Jesus more than facing the depths of the seas of your own sinful desires, which will in turn reveal the deeper depths of God's immeasurable love and grace towards you. How will we know, though, right? How will any of us know if we are actually accepting Jesus' call to follow him Sailing into the storm. Listen, I want you to just stop for a minute. I want you to think about the context of what's in this passage. Because if any of you are sitting here and you're questioning your minds, why are we here this morning? Preceding this portion of text, Luke has been recording for us specific and intentional stories. The stories all had to do with the soil of your heart and hearing the word of God. And as he dives into this, he's wanting us to see that those who have actually gotten into the ship and really are sailing aren't just the people that look like it because of their clothing, their great speech, their big fat Bibles, number of stories, or whatever it may be. It's based on the fact of, are they actually sailing? 
Look at verses 23 and 24. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and they woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Listen, all of the early church fathers and all of the reformers, as they deal with this specific portion of text, use this text always as an illustration for the church itself and the people that are in it and our willingness to sail with Jesus. Something Jesus called the storm means calling the storm a storm. I mean, Luke called it a windstorm that came down on the lake. He wasn't pretending. He wasn't faking. He's like, this is a storm. It also means recognizing the damage and the danger that is there. They noticed that they were filling with water and that they were in danger. Oftentimes, we are unwilling to admit the actual danger and the actual water that we're taking on and the actual sinking that's taking place in our lives, regardless of who's on the sideline going, yo, dude, you're sinking. Something Jesus calling the storm means seeking Jesus above all else. Notice that if they could have done this, I suppose, if they were today, and, and the storm came up, <coughs> and Jesus was in the boat, the question is, would the disciples have actually gone and woke Jesus, or would they begun to send text messages, Facebook messages, emails, and phone calls to all their friends, like, please come and help, send the sheriff, or would they have actually gone to Jesus? In this text, they did go to him, and they sought him, for help. This is something that we often struggle in doing. Also, accepting Jesus' call into the storm means approaching Jesus as master. I love Jesus as faithful servant. I love this picture of him washing our feet and serving him, serving us. We all love that. But when it comes to Jesus as master, commander, king, one who is to be obeyed, we struggle. Something Jesus calling in the storm means recognizing that we are perishing. Without Christ, they said, Master, come save us, we are perishing. <clears throat> Maybe it's the storm of loneliness for you. Maybe it's the storm of insecurity or the storm of fear. Maybe it's the storm of low self-esteem or the storm of arrogance or the storm of impatience. Maybe it's the storm of rejection or the storm of passivity, the storm of aggression. Maybe it's the storm of lust, the storm of manipulation or the storm of excuse-making or the storm of mistrust or the storm of gossip. Maybe it's the storm of slander or the storm of cancer, the storm of divorce, the storm of broken relationships. It's the storm of single parenting. Or any number of other things that we could put in this story. Either way, we must be honest and call the storm what it is. We must honestly assess and accept the damage and the danger that comes with sailing the storm. And as we authentically see the depths of the depravity of the storm, we must turn to Jesus in all-out desperation for his help. As we approach him as our master, for without him, we are perishing. You have responded to the gospel. And if you are actively following Jesus because of the grace and the mercy of the picture of the cross 
and the power of the empty tomb, then you have no need to fear perishing. Jesus is in the boat with you. The boat's not going down. God will bring you through it. You're in the boat with Jesus, sailing through the storms of life. But listen, if you approach him as arrogant, if you approach him believing that you're okay and it's everybody else's fault for the chaos in your life, instead of this sense of being helpish and perishing, then you will perish. And I pray that the grace and the mercy of God wakes you up from your slumber. And I pray that you beg Jesus to save you from your perishable state of being. I pray that you would hear the gospel call of Jesus to get into the boat with him, sail for the high seas of gospel transformation through stormy waters of wind and wave of difficulty and hardship. I pray that you would enroll into the school of hard knocks. I quit playing in the game. Enroll in the school of hard knocks where Jesus takes you from a perishing person into an imperishable person destined for and desiring heaven. Jesus calls us to sail into the storms of obedience where we will be tried and beaten as the Spirit works to produce holiness in us. <clears throat> Philip Ryken also commenting on this section of text, he says, Jesus spoke to the storm as if it had to answer to his authority. So apparently the storm did have to answer to Jesus because it obeyed what he commanded. Obedience is not an enjoyable word for many of us for many reasons. But the reality is that biblically speaking, obedience is a loving response to lovingly firm authority. In fact, Jesus even says in John's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 12 and 15, he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to my father and then in verse 15 if you love me you will keep my commandments listen God loves us so he truthfully confronts our sin he doesn't passively let it go even though we often blame him for our issues. God, God loves us so he sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross in our place, even though we've lived as his enemies. God loves us so he gives us his spirit as a counselor and guide to keep us in the truth. <coughs> God loves us so he gives us his word, which is living and active, and it examines us deeply for the purpose of inward and outward holiness. God loves us, and so he gives us a new family in the community of the gospel, which is the bride of Christ, the church. 
What does it look like for us to respond to God, his love? What does it look like for us to accept Jesus' call to radical obedience? Look back at the text, verses 24 through 25, just after they came to awaken him because of their fear. It says, he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Underline that, circle that. Those of you who are in places of life that are chaotic and have been characterized by chaos for years because of the struggle against sinful patterns in your life, they ceased and there was a calm. He said to them, where is your faith? Can you imagine the disciples in the moment? Oh, Jesus, that was harsh. Couldn't you be a little more comforting? I don't think Jesus was super concerned about what they were feeling in that moment. He was more concerned with where they were actually placing their faith. Listen to me on this one, brothers and sisters. Where have you placed your faith and your trust The evidence will be seen in your lives. Jesus' little brother James says as much. Where is your faith? (coughs) And they were afraid. His question scared them. And they marveled. Saying to one another, who then is this? That he commands even winds and water that they obey him. Imagine the wrestling and the struggling that is going on deep down inside of the disciples who have realized that they have not necessarily placed their faith in Christ in that moment. That the reason that Jesus is asking them that is he is actually calling out the depths of their mistrust of him. And as they view all of nature submitting in obedience to him, they had to have been totally shocked. (coughs) Accepting Jesus' radical call to obedience means four things that I see in the text. One, listening to God's rebuke for our sinful storms. Listening to God's rebuke for our sinful storms. It says he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. The wind and the waves listened. Number two, actively disengaging from simple behavior. The text says that the wind and the waves ceased and there was calm, stopped. I liken this to raising children. Some of you here have had two-year-olds, right? Raise your hand if you've ever had a two-year-old. You know what that's like, right? Some of you have two-year-olds now. Some of you know what that's like. The child throws a fit, continues to throw a fit because you've tried to correct them. You've tried to instructionally correct. You've said gently, hey, sweetheart, don't go near the street, right? Don't go, that's dangerous. Don't go there. And then you see them in the street and you run yelling and screaming and the kid sits down in the middle of the street and cries and like throw stuff at you, right? We know what that's like. We were two years old once too. Some of us, me sometimes still act like I'm two. So if you act like you're two, join the crowd, right? Good company here. (laughs) Need to actively disengage from our sinful behavior. They ceased and there was calm. Hearing number three, hearing Jesus challenge the basis of our faith. He said to them, where is your faith? We touched on this already. Number four, recognizing that Jesus does command obedience. The text says that 
He commands even wind and water, and they obey him. This should be one of the things that you leave with. There's two questions in this text that are very, very important for us. And if you would, but spend adequate time thinking about them, I believe the Holy Spirit would do some work in your heart. First question, where is your faith? Second question, if nature obeys God, where am I on this? Those should be the two questions you should be going home and asking. Remember, Philip Ryken's earlier quote, Jesus spoke to the storm as if it had to answer to his authority. And apparently, the storm did have to answer to Jesus because it obeyed what he commanded. Listen, the scriptures are clear. that one day, every knee will bow in submission. and Every tongue will confess obediently that Jesus Christ is Lord. Understanding this brings clarity to Jesus' call to radical obedience and our loving response to our loving Savior. We no longer need to shrug God's rebuke either through his word or or through a fellow brother or sister. Instead, we can seek God's rebuke. We can actually look for it. We can actually ask for it because we realize that God disciplines the son who is a legitimate son. And if he doesn't discipline you, then you have something to be afraid of. Instead, we can seek God's rebuke because we know it's part of the process of change. We no longer need to love our sin. Instead, we can disengage and we can run from sin, like Joseph ran from Potiphar's wife in the Old Testament, in absolute disgust and horror and fear of the sin that trapped him. You know what scared Joseph more? The most? Walking into sin scared him more than anything else. Joseph wasn't afraid of what people might think or say or what they might do to him. A lot happened to Joseph. more afraid of what that sin might do to him. We no longer need to hide or trust in our self-help techniques and our counsel of worldly advisors. <clears throat> Instead, we can trust and hide ourselves in the finished, ongoing work of Christ, the cross, the empty tomb, the Spirit of God. We no longer need to deceptively believe that we are the master commanders of the sailing ships of our lives. Instead, we can recognize that Jesus is the only master commander who can be trusted to authoritatively and faithfully navigate the oceans, storms of our lives. Jesus calls us into the storms of obedience where we will be beaten and tried as the Spirit works to produce holiness in us. Let me invite our musicians forward again as we conclude our time in the Scriptures together this morning. And as we get ready to conclude, I want you to remember what Charles Spurgeon said, and I quoted this at the beginning of this message. I want you to hear it again with fresh ears now that you've heard this text preach. Every sail of the good ship which bears the flag of the high admiral of our fleet must be beaten with the wind, and every plank in her must be tried by the waves. Jesus calls us to sail in the storms of obedience. And when Jesus calls us to sail into the storms of obedience, we should expect be beaten and tried as the Spirit works to produce holiness in us. There will be a few people near the front here in just a minute 
to pray with you if you have needs. If you just want to discuss something you heard and you're wrestling, there'll be a number of us up front to pray with you. We would invite you during this next few moments to either A, gather with us in worship and please stand with us. Come forward for prayer if you have need or if something struck you that you need prayer for. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the picture of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for calling us to sail with the storms of obedience. Help us to see how loving, merciful, and gracious you have been to us. Help us to hide ourselves in you. I pray for everyone here, Lord, that you would take this word and that you would apply it to our hearts in our lives, that you would apply it first to our thinking in our mind. Transform us by the way that we think. Also pray, God, that you would apply it to our hearts so the desires and the emotions and the feelings that well up from deep inside. And then take all of those and by the power of your spirit implanted deeply in us, God, I pray that you would transform and change the activity and the behavior and the patterns of our lives. Help us to sail into the storms of obedience with you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for letting me preach this morning. I love you guys. We'll be near the front to pray with you if you have a need. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.